everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Marketplace Multipliers Podcast, where we feature men and women who are intentional in integrating their faith and influencing for Christ. We believe God is at work, at work. My name is Jeff Clark, and I serve as the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan. Today's featured MM is Paul Andrus, who works as the President of the Financial Advisory Corporation and is the lead coach for R3 Coaching. His pastor, Mick Beach, will join later to share the urgency he has for the gospel to go to new places and how that is happening at Kentwood Community Church. First, Wayne Schmidt will join to share about his decades-long relationship with Paul and give insight into the power of Ezra and Nehemiah partnerships between lay and clergy. We're joined again by Wayne Schmidt, and today we're talking about someone you know very well, Paul Anthes. That's for sure. We have been friends and accountability partners, met every other week for nearly 36 years, and that's given me a front row seat on Paul's uh, everyday life. His workplace involves conversations with people about finances. And I think that's a perfect uh, opportunity to connect Christ with uh, decisions that people are making every day. And so I love how he is intentional about including spiritual perspectives in practical conversations. One of the things that blows me away about Paul as I get to know him is just how every part of his organization is integrated with his faith. And I want to hear from you a little bit more about these Ezra Nehemiah partnerships, because obviously you were the pastor of his local church. And we've heard this partnership mentioned briefly in different contexts. What was it like for you to have this relationship with a layperson as you did ministry together? I was privileged to be pastor of Kentwood Community Church, and I still keep in touch with that church family, and I love the leadership of Pastor Mick Veach, who continues to cast the vision for people to be called, including the call to the marketplace. Uh, When I was there with Paul, we had an Ezra-Nehemiah relationship. When I use that term, I mean in the Old Testament, Ezra was a priest. Nehemiah actually worked for a secular government. But they accomplished something together neither of them could have accomplished on their own. Um, They brought about revival in the city. Both were passionate about the spiritual tone of the city. But they also realized just rebuilding the temple without rebuilding the walls and the security and identity that brought would not be enough. So they accomplished something together they could not accomplish alone. And so for Paul and I... um, We had to overcome. Sometimes there's a a little bit of an intimidation that can be there. It can be a marketplace multiplier, maybe feeling a little intimidated by their pastor, or the pastor feeling a little bit intimidated by the marketplace multiplier. But when you have a common ministry goal, uh, it tends to help you not only build the relationship stronger between the marketplace multiplier and the pastor, but also give you a kingdom endeavor 
that is, has greater possibilities because you share in that from your particular points of influence. I could talk a lot about that and give examples of it. Uh, one comes to mind is that we did a luncheon called 59 Minutes, and it was a time when people from the marketplace gathered in. And some people were there because of spheres of influence I had and Paul didn't, but most of the people were there because of the spheres of influence Paul had and I didn't combined. We had more people present and better discussions uh, because of that joint adventure as pastor and MM. And I know I can talk from the perspective of a marketplace person being intimidated initially. We heard uh, from Pastor Steve in, in an episode where I'm in um, just about the, the relationship we have and he has with other marketplace people. But at first being a little bit intimidated, oh, I'm not spiritual enough for this. But on the other hand, what you're saying, um, talk to that pastor who maybe sees potential in a marketplace person, doesn't know how to bridge that gap, wants to call them to a higher level. And even what you've seen about how marketplace people are hungry for a pastor to bless and affirm their ministry. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to project my experiences onto all pastors, but I would say this, when I sometimes think about business people, I think about, okay, they have so much knowledge of business that I don't have. And that can be intimidating. And I think MM people sometimes think, well, they have so much knowledge of the theology and Bible I don't have. And it gets focused on domains where we have different expertise rather than, hey, there's a tremendous overlap here. Uh, And so when a pastor actually blesses and sends a person into the marketplace, What I think that does, and I've experienced with marketplace people, is that that brings all that knowledge of Bible and theology and says, my pastor affirms my call to make a difference every day in my marketplace. Hugely significant in their lives. And now we're going to hear from from Paul being interviewed by Dave Drew. First of all, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your context and your your work, the mm-hmm. work that you've been doing for many decades. Yep. So I work at a wealth management firm called the Financial Advisory Corporation. It was founded in 1988, so we'll celebrate 32 years this year. Um, I founded it um, primarily because I wanted to serve the best, best interest of our clients And in the world of financial services, that's sometimes hard to do. At least it was in the past. I think it's getting better. And so I work at a firm that employs 10 people. We have six wealth advisors, four support staff people. We serve about 180, 190 clients, fee-only basis. And it's by design a high-service, low-volume business model that was designed that way. We do a pretty in-depth type of comprehensive planning for our clients along with investment management for them. So that's been a great pursuit for me. I've always enjoyed numbers, money, business. I've always enjoyed that environment. So having this business has been a dream come true for me that, yeah, I have to pinch myself sometimes because it's been such a great journey. Was there an early time in your life um, years ago that really awakened your sense of how you could integrate your faith and work in this kind of work or even, even work before this kind of work? When did that start to awaken for you? That's an interesting part of the story. So I didn't accept Christ until I graduated from college. 
And it was interesting. God has wired me in a way that I, I really want to know the purpose for something. I want to know the why behind it. And so graduating from college, I'm kind of sitting there going, you know, what am I going to do? What's, what's the meaning of life or questions I would ask? What do I want to do for a career? And the only things I really knew of that the world kept score by were money and power. And so I was attracted to those. I went to the business school to be able to make money and gain power. But after graduating from college, I sat there and said, well, I know too many rich and powerful people that are miserable. <laughs> this cannot be the answer. And so that really started a spiritual journey that, that caused me to accept Christ at that point in time. But the early mistake I made was I, I put life into compartments at that time. So even, even as I got started in the business world, I was trying to get my work done so I could go to church and serve God, volunteer there. And so I lived life very much in these pretty solid compartments where faith would turn on and turn off. Wasn't really thinking that much about how to integrate my faith into my work. I wanted to be honest and trustworthy and those types of attributes but wasn't even thinking about integrating faith into work all that much. They were pretty solid compartments for me. So that, that took some learning on my part to realize that God, that God was Lord of every area of my life and I needed to surrender it to him. Another mistake I made in that part of the journey was to be really honest, I wanted to be a successful business person first and a Christ follower second. I, I, would, I didn't know what God would do if I surrendered to him, would I still get to be successful in the marketplace? And that was scary for me to, to give that up. I really wanted that. Uh, now, over many years, I've found that the order of those two items, success in the marketplace and having Christ be first, in, the order of that is absolutely essential. And that I have to put Christ first and pursue being a, a successful business person second. But it took me, I think, a decade or more to really learn that lesson and start to put that into practice. So what does it look like practically? I mean, in, in your um, core business that you do, you're meeting with oftentimes one person or a couple or a family. Um, oftentimes they might be Christian, but sometimes they might not. Uh, what does it look like for you to integrate your faith in your work in a, uh, on a random Tuesday? Yeah. Um, so there was a class we took at church when I was a young Christian. It's called BEAM, Believers Enabled as Ministers. And they forced us to say, I am a minister. <laughs> and it felt weird for as a lay person to say, I am a minister. So. Kind of a funny start to that. But one of the keys to that is believing that I am a minister. I think our normal flesh pattern is we walk into a meeting or a room and we're thinking, what's in it for me? What am I going to gain from this? And I, I've increased my battering average a little bit and in walking into it saying, why am I here? What can I do to serve the people in this room? Whether it be a potential client or a current client or a group of people I'm meeting it with, what can I do to serve them? And that's a, just a 180 degree difference in from what can I get out of this meeting? Uh, it goes so far as just trusting that if I put God first, other things are gonna fall into place. 
I believe in his economy, everybody can win at the same time. My success doesn't come at someone else's expense. It doesn't cause someone else to lose. So by believing that, I think I can do what's best for the client, give them absolutely the best advice that I think is best for them, regardless of what it does for me and my company, to treat my employees in a way that's a great place to work. I can honor God through all of that. No one has to lose by my winning, so to speak. So I, I grew to understand that I have a reach that my pastor at church will never have. I'll interact with some people. I'll be in conversations that have the potential to go deep and be spiritual that the pastor would likely never have. And I get to speak into those because of my role as a business person. So adding the minister part of that started to feel funny in the beginning, but more natural over time. And I had the encouragement of an ordained pastor encouraging, Paul, you do have an audience. You do have influence that we want you to pursue. Yeah. So I started an organization called R3 Coaching. And the R3 stands for doing the right things for the right reasons at the right time. Just a catchy little phrase that if if all of us did that with increasing uh, consistency, we would be more effective in our jobs, in our Christian faith, those types of things. And it grew out of a, a I went through a coaching program, executive coaching program that did focus on financial advisors a bit and learned so much from that, found it to be an accelerator for my business and for my own personal growth, but it wasn't faith-based. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if these best practices in executive coaching were provided to Christians right out of the Bible? I mean, fully integrated with scripture. This is how these biblical principles apply in your work, in your business, and not require people to do the add-on on their own later after a session. So that idea percolated for a decade or more, and I finally found a guy that I could do it with. I needed someone to help me. So formed R3 Coaching in 2011. And in that, we're unapologetically Christian in our approach. We make that very clear that this is a biblical coaching program that is also very practical. Obviously, you're building a relationship and building the context for that. It's not the first thing you say, but how do you bridge that subject and how do you advise others to share their faith in a marketplace setting? So for me, I often start with sharing just little hints and glimpses of my faith. Um, And I try to read their response to that. Um, a, A book I read that really helped me with this, I believe it was called Permission Evangelism. And it was like a light bulb went off for me. And what I took away from that book is if you approach a spiritual topic and the other person resists that, and they usually resist it by changing the topic, looking away, doing something to divert you, stop. Don't persist in that moment. If if you're going to have a relationship with this person, take your time. You're actually looking for permission to speak into those things. And my belief is if you push through when you don't have permission, you're probably doing more harm than good. So if I'm going to have a relationship with this person, I've got time and I'll, I'll just keep, I'll put those feelers out there. I'll suggest a certain topic. I'll share something about my own life. That's probably one of my primary ways that I do it is I share a story from my own life that reveals a little bit of my faith and I'll see what they do with it. 
If they respond positively to that, I'll go deeper. I'll share more. If they divert the subject, change the subject, whatever, I'll stop there and hope to come back. Somebody that doesn't do any of this, they're a Sunday Christian. And Monday through Saturday, they're thinking business uh, and that's it, whatever their profession is. And they have a whole laundry list of reasons it wouldn't work in my profession. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be a way for them to start uh, integrating their faith and work and using their Christian influence uh, in their marketplace? So I've been there, I think. I was there when I lived the compartmentalized life I mentioned. For me, and I don't know how helpful this will be for others, what's your path to the best life you can have? If, if Jesus is an add-on to my life, as I read scripture, I'm not going to get as much fulfillment, joy, satisfaction, contentment that I could get. So I would encourage people to think, what are you missing by not integrating your faith? And I will admit, when I was first confronted with integrating my faith, it felt scary. It felt like an obligation that I had to fulfill. It was fearful. I didn't know what this was going to be like. So it was primarily negative for me when I thought about it. But I'll say this to myself and others. As I tried it, it got easier and easier. I found more joy in it. I would say that people should adopt a style that's consistent with them and their personality. So I hear pastors go into a 7-Eleven and they share Christ with the guy who's selling them a Slurpee or something. That's probably never going to happen to me. It'd be rare that I would sit on an airplane and get into a deep theological discussion with the person next to me. It might happen, but I know guys that talk about that all the time. So to choose a style that's consistent with your personality, the way God's wired you, with people you can relate to. Thanks so much for giving the time to this. I think it'll be really helpful for people and and I appreciate you being willing to do it. We're joined now by Pastor Mick Veach from Kentwood Community Church. And and Pastor Mick, uh, one of the things I've heard over and over again as people have talked about you is your willingness to boldly proclaim the gospel, but also to push people to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. And that, that may be in multiple directions, including the marketplace, could you talk a little bit about your conviction for people to follow the Holy Spirit on mission? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Jeff. The thing that I think drives me uh, day in and day out when I get up out of bed is the word that I would uh, use is urgency. And I think where we're at today, um, people thought I was crazy up to this point, but now COVID, racial tension, um, political instability, I think the church is realizing there is an urgency of the day. And we have to decide where what actually matters the most. And the second thing that I would say is we have to have a global perspective. We can't look at our situation being 5% of the world's population. And as we get a biblical worldview, we understand that the things that we're beginning to experience in America uh, have been happening at a worse degree all over the world. And it puts it into perspective for those of us. Now, why do I say that? Because when there's an urgency, and you see biblically what's happening around the world, that is the motivating factor of we've got to get on with what Christ has called us to do. Um, the Great Commission, people always are wondering about the Great Commission. I always say, you, uh, it's not just the great, you know, it's not just the su- great suggestion. You want permission. You've already been given permission by the Great Commission. Um, and too often people, they, well, how much about that do you not understand? When he said go, do you want to analyze it? Do you want to look at the Greek again? Do you want another analysis? Do you want another commentary? At the end of the day, go means go. The issue for all of us is simply is what does go look like? 
And I think um, urgency has been a passion for me. And I would say to you that we're now getting it right. And I, I think through um, how God spoke to Dr. Schmidt um, about that and his study, that the only way we're going to finish the Great Commission is not make it the professionals, those that we pay to be the pastors, that it's going to be, it's going to take all of us. And the uniqueness of our of our skills and our uh, various influences that we have. And up to this point, we have very much so put it in silos, haven't we? And so I'm going to be a Christian and I'm a basketball coach like you, or I'm a Christian and I'm a business guy, or I'm a business woman or what have you. And then we have the pastor do, or the missionary do what they do. And uh, I think now what we're doing is uh, the cool thing, and Paul's an example from Kentwood Community Church, where we're now counting things that we didn't count before. I think the individuals um, counting it, but also the church and the leadership are counting, which then um, enables them to have the blessing and the anointing and the approval that I think is necessary if we're going to make a difference. So when we call out people, I think the second word that comes to me is not just urgency, is that we have to actually believe what we're asking for. And I can stand up and preach a message uh, um, like anybody else and I would say that the words that we preach are a dime a dozen. The key for me is do you actually believe it? And the people, they're going to know quickly whether you believe this or you don't. I don't care who they are. I don't even care if they're a believer or non-believer. They're going to know, even if they disagree with you, do you believe this? And so for me, I believe it with everything I've got. The way we're going to finish the Great Commission is calling everybody out, like Paul, who's in the marketplace, who for years was like, hey, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to have some sort of an influence, and I'll do my thing, and I'll volunteer in the church. That's how we looked at it. And now we're like, no, we're counting it. This is a part of, of doing what we do. And so I think in my first three months here, we, I, I, within my first month, I, de- I gave a call. We had 76 people respond, and we created three cohorts immediately. Um, one for Marketplace. And uh, you'll probably um, hear at some point Debbie Turner-Bell, who I hired, um, former Miss America 1990, and she is running our cohort for Marketplace folks, who was a CBS correspondent. She's a veterinarian. She's multi-talented, but she's working in the local church, but she understands Marketplace, and she is now meeting with those folks um, consistently. We're giving them tools in their toolbox, We're letting them be accountable. We're getting them theological training. We're praying with them, enabling them to get set, to be able to be launched out. And we're counting them as a part of our vision, which is 50, uh, more than 50 church expressions that are multi-ethnic around the world. That's what we're about. And so these folks that are engaged in this, whether we had, for example, we had a a couple that started a arts and uh, music cafe for the purpose of discipleship and evangelism. They're in our cohort. They were called out. And we're coming alongside them when they had their sneak preview, blessing them as a church, helping cook for them. And they are, then they had thousands of people come through their, their, their uh, renovated location that they bought. So that's an example. Paul, as an example, doing what he does with finances and coming alongside people, teaching, etc. They're all in that cohort. I'm grateful that we're counting it now. I'm, the fact that we're having this podcast says that we're counting it. We're trying to, we're trying to re-educate uh, people, challenge people to think differently. And obviously you're an example of that. You feel as passionate about where you're at, doing what you do, that it, it's critical for the kingdom, just like myself in the position I'm at. So um, that's probably more than you wanted to know, but that's a few thoughts that I had about where we're going. 
Well, let me, just as a, as a lay person who is engaged and passionate about this work, say thank you for joining us, but also thanks for your passion. And, and the, it's so clear the, the evidence of fruit from the urgency you have. Hearing episode three, someone who was in the church you're at before, seeing it come to life now, it's just really exciting for all of us and we'll be praying alongside you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. For more information, go to www.marketplacemultipliers.com. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and share with others who may benefit. And remember, you too can integrate your faith and influence your workplace for Christ.